Welcome to the Brett Boone Podcast as we explore the mind of former MLB All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove winner Brett Boone as he sits down with his friends from the world of professional sports. On this episode of the Boone Podcast, Brett sits down with fellow third-generation major leaguer and skipper of the Cincinnati Reds, David Bell. Distance and there's a triple and David Bell is hit for the cycle. And now, here's your host, Brett Boone. Welcome to the Boone Podcast. Uh, today we got one of my all-time favorite teammates, even though we only played together for a year. Current skipper of the Reds, David Bell. Bell, welcome to the program. Boone, thank you so much for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. I've caught a couple of your shows, or at least one, and uh, you're doing a great job with this. So really, really looking forward to doing it. Thank you for asking me. I wasn't sure if you were going to ask me. So I was I was waiting and uh, right before spring training here I'm getting my opportunity. Thank you. It's you were waiting with bated breath, David. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, no, and you figured it good. I listened to it. I actually listened to to Barry's and um, just you know because he's with the Reds and learned a lot about um, his career and the teams that you guys played on together. So that was that was really good. Well, you, you figure that. The, the question would be this, right? Uh, hey, you're a third generation player, David. What, what's that like? No, no, we won't. We won't go there. We won't go there. Maybe we might cover. We might cover that a little bit later. But let's talk about you growing up. Um, I think you know we probably had uh, about as any as much as any guest I've had on the program. Our experiences had to be pretty similar. Uh, people have heard my version. I want to hear yours. Yeah, you're right. And, and, you know, it was really, it really was cool playing together just because we did have so much in common. And, you know, I mean, I think you're always looking to be able to relate to teammates in different ways, but to actually have such a similar childhood, it's such a unique childhood too, that, that we had. And, and one that I, I know, you know, we're both really grateful for and we, uh, you know, we, we loved, you know, and, and I think the big reason we, we loved our childhood, not only the support and, um, you know, from our, our, our family and, um, you know, how close we are to our family, but also the fact that we, we loved baseball as kids and we got to be around it all the time. And, you know, I think it would have been a completely different experience, obviously, if we weren't into baseball, um, you know, and I think that was, that's what I remember. I mean, we had an opportunity as kids um, to be around the game uh, on, on such an intimate level. You know, I know that things were different than, as you know, and you could be in the dugout, you could be in the clubhouse, you know, going to the ballpark every single day with your dad in spring training during the season. Um, you know, my dad, and, and, and I think from what I remember yours, you know, really – um, welcome that and included us, um, you know, wanted us to be around and experience that, um, you know, as long as we behaved and were respectful, we could pretty much do whatever we wanted <laughs> around the, around the ballpark and the clubhouse. I think we probably drove all the clubhouse guys crazy, but, um, what an incredible childhood and without even, without, without even realizing it at the time, you know, it was just getting ingrained into us what it was to be a major league player. 
Um, and, and I think it, it's obviously helped in in so many ways throughout our careers, but um, and, and definitely um, one of the big reasons why I'm still doing this. Um, but it also, right from the very beginning, it, it, I don't know if you experienced this, but right from day one, um, you know, 17 years old, going to the Gulf Coast League um, out on my own with a lot of other players in the same boat. And even though I really didn't know what I was doing, um, I, I felt like I had been there before in some ways. I felt like I had experienced it. And because of my dad, because of the experience my brothers and I had, um, it became a huge advantage. It really did. You know, obviously you still have to go out and play and um, all that, but not having pressure from dad or grandpa, them instilling into us what it is to be a major leaguer and how important it is to um, have fun playing the game. Um, And then just the basics, work hard, play hard, be a great teammate, play to win. I mean, it was that simple. Um, And then adding that into just experiencing it all, um, just a a big advantage. I mean, I think, you know, obviously to, to nauseam, we've both been asked the questions at all different levels of our development, you know, as, as kids, as players, I think you, you hit on a, on a point where, yeah, we grew up in that atmosphere, um, but we didn't know any, any different, you know, uh, some, some kids would, you know, take your son to work day. We just happened to go to a big league stadium and it's, it's, you know, for me, at least I'm speaking for me, I didn't really appreciate it until I was grown up and and even late into my career where I look back and, and said, you know, I saw my kids start to be able to be around the ballpark a little bit. And I thought it, it took me back to my childhood a little bit and go, wow, what a unique, uh, cool, <laughs> uh, fortunate childhood that that that, you know, thinking of myself, I got to have, my brother got to have, obviously you and your brother. Um, it, it's pretty cool, but we didn't know any different. And and when people ask me, well, you know, you had an advantage. Did, did it really help you being around? I, I've come to the conclusion it's one thing. It, I don't know how much it helped me, but I know it didn't hurt me. And uh, no, it, it is cool. And and you talk about the memories and man, I've got so many of them. They're, they're awesome. How did you handle it? Once you got, you know, when you, when people started to come around and say, you know, and, and recognize that you had a future in this game. Now, now it starts to build and they start to, I, I can speak for myself. It was, well, do you feel pressure from your dad or your grandfather? I really didn't feel one bit of pressure. I I got to the big leagues in 1992, excuse me. You know, I had the questions asked, but I didn't feel that. I thought, you know what dad did, what grandpa did, that's great. And I was very proud of my family. But when it came down to it, it's like, I don't give a shit what they did. I've got to do what I've got to do or I'm going home. Uh, I think similar Aaron followed me. He didn't feel that pressure either and kind of had that attitude. I've got to do this for me. My youngest brother, Matthew, I think he felt it a little bit. And we've had talks, you know, to this day as adults. I think he, he really put that burden on him that I've got uh, to live up to my, not only my brothers, but my dad and my grandfather. Uh, give, me, give me your family dynamic and, and, and your feelings on that. 
Yeah, I think, you know, we all grew up in the same family, but we all had our, our own experience and our own personality and our own path for sure. Um, I agree. You know, I, I never, any pressure that I felt um, really throughout my life, um, especially when it came to baseball um, and throughout my career, it, any pressure I felt I, I was for myself, you know, just pressure that we put on ourselves to, um, you know, to, to achieve what we want to in the game. And, and as we know, it can be very difficult. So that pressure um, was, was put on by myself in any thing for everything that I ever got from my family was nothing but support. And as a matter of fact, I, I think there was a special effort, um, you know, by all of my family, mom, definitely, you know, dad and, and grandpa to, to, they were very aware of that. You know, and they were very intentional about making sure that I didn't feel that pressure, um, allowing us to develop a love of the game on our own for the right reasons. And uh, very easily, very easily, we could have gone the other way. If there was any pressure, you know, we were forced into playing at all, um, you know, easily we could have been really turned off by by the game. And, and you know, I, I give them a ton of credit Uh for that, you know, and, and I, you know, I try to be the same way with my son, you know, it needs to be his idea. Now, you know, when, when they get into something, you want to be there to support them. And that, that's what I had. I had great support. They knew once they knew I loved it for the right reasons, you know, part of that support is, can be tough love, no doubt. And, and I, I got that from them. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it was different for, for all of us, we all had our own own experience. Um, you know, one other thing I think too, being around it all the time as a kid and growing up, I think it made it more tangible too. I think it made it made the dream feel more attainable. Um, you know, I, I wasn't you know the best athlete or anything like that growing up, and um, you know, and I think, but once I saw that I was around, I was like, hey, you know, maybe I can do that. You know, these are these are just normal people and normal guys, you know, that, that love the game. Yeah. They're great baseball players, but if you work at it and you have a passion for it, you know, it's really, it's really possible. And that was important. That was an important part of the part of being around the game for me as a kid. So you grow up and you end up going to the world famous and, and people in the baseball world know this uh, Moeller high school. All the Bells went there. The Larkins, Stephen Anbury, who, who I played with, Griffey, who I played with. I believe Mark Lewis went there as well. So, what is it about? What is it about that hotbed and and big leaguers coming out of there? You're right. Um, I think several things, and I could talk about this for a while. But uh, Mark Lewis actually went to Hamilton. Everybody else you mentioned did go to. To go no, to why, why, why did I think um, Lewis did? I have no idea. He, yeah, I played against him. And I, I have to, I mean, it was close between he and Griff as far as who was the best high school player I ever played against. And you know how great Griff he was. It was great, I mean, he was, all, he was almost as good as a senior in high school as he was when he was in the big leagues. And so Mark Lewis was like right there with him from a talent standpoint, and he was unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, he went to Hamilton. Um, 
there's there's so many reasons. Number one, I think just the culture of Muller High School that you know the, 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 that they've created. It's a good school, but I mean from long long ago, um, you know there was a culture created first, you know originally in football, and then shortly after baseball just really um, uh, really became um, you know like you said, a hotbed. And I think it started with a few players that, you know, my dad being one of them, I think, I think he was the first major leaguer from all over, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, as soon as that kind of thing happens and then, you know, you, you, you can kind of build your program around, Hey, you know, this guy went there, this guy went there, they come back and they talk to the team, you know, they, that really adds to the culture. Um, coach Mike Cameron, who, um, He's he's not coaching any longer, but he coached for a long, long time. He's still at the school, um, a close friend to everybody in my family, and so many players and and students that have gone through Mueller. Just a you know an incredible uh, man and a, a really an incredible high school baseball coach, and and he is a big part of that as well. So um, they're still going strong. Um, great baseball program. Now their basketball program is is one of the tops in the nation. Um, so they've uh, basketball is caught up with with the other sports. But um, yeah, we we still live close by, and I have a a nephew that um, is is going to go to school there next year and be another um, bell to go through. And um, he's at least going to play baseball and basketball, I believe. So um, yeah, it's a, a great school. It was a big part of. Um, you know, really my development and, and so many others. All right. So we'll get to your career a little bit. You, you get drafted signed with the Cleveland Indians. Uh, you make your debut in 95. And I was reading, I was reading up on you, Bill. Uh, your debut was pinch hitting for, for big Tomei, who, who we had <laughs> on the podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, and you know, what a classic he is. <laughs> and I was talking to him, you know, sometimes you, you, you look at the numbers and guys you played against and you respect what they did. But then when you see the numbers, I was talking to Toby, I said, you hit 600 homers. It's, it's funny even saying that, but you make your debut. Uh, and then <clears throat> we get to meet and, and play together in Oh one. And we're on a pretty <clears throat> special team. Uh, that Oh one Mariner team that won 116 games. And uh, the only the only question to this day is how did we not win the whole thing? I mean, that was such an unbelievable season, a season that I've I've never you know, I never went through before or after been on some great teams, but never the camaraderie that that team had. Uh, Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. When I think about that team, um, to me, it's the the dream, you know, the kind of the model uh, for success for any team, not only to win games and, and, and be a great team and have an opportunity. And like you said, you know, probably good enough to, to win a world series. Um, and certainly good enough to set a record for the most, um, regular season wins of all time, which was just an incredible experience. But, but when I, I think about it, for me, it's a, a model. It's something that I go that when I, you know, anytime I'm, creating or thinking of a vision for a team that I'm a part of ever since then. And, and definitely now as a manager, um, that's the model for me, you know, that's the dream team. And the reason it is, is because, you know, we had good players, 
no question. We had talented players. You, can, you can't win without that. But, you know, I, I would say that because of the makeup of the team, the character, the personality, um, you know, the, the work ethic, um, uh, the way everyone got along, um, we were able to really maximize who we are as a team. I don't think anyone, you know, maybe even Lou going in, into that season, and none of us, for that matter, uh, probably really stopped to think of, about, you know, how great we could be. And we certainly didn't think we would win 116 games. I don't, I don't think. It didn't cross my mind. And what happened during that season was, you know, we were given the freedom as a team uh, to kind of allow – you know, Lou allowed us to create that chemistry on our own. Um, like I said, we had really, really good people, great teammates, guys that enjoyed being around one another. And it created a belief that um, because of the trust we had in one another, that we were going to go out and win every night. And, and there's just nothing like playing the game that way. It's the best. And, um, you know, some of my best teams or best friends I've ever had in the game are on that team and will always be. Um, and I'm just so grateful for that experience. Um, you know, and I had, I had a couple really great experiences in my career playing on great teams. Um, but that one, that team, no doubt stands out and just very blessed and grateful, um, for the, for that experience in particular and, and, and all the, the great people that, uh, you know, made, you know, made it enjoyable and, uh, you know, made it extremely memorable. Yeah. And that, that particular year, uh, changed my thought process on, on the game. And, and, uh, up until that point, I thought, you know, I was coming over from an Atlanta Braves team, you know, in 1999 and everybody knows about the Braves run in 99 and we had so much talent. And in my mind, I thought, no, you get the most talented players and you steamroll the opposition. That's how I thought winning, you know, everybody would talk about teams with chemistry and that aura. And, and, and I just, I, I thought it was a bunch of BS until that 2001 season. Because you, you speak to the fact that we had really good players. We did have really good players. I mean, we had gold glovers, we had all stars, we had batting champs. Um, but there was something different and there was a look that we would give one another. You know, I remember many times being on the field with you and just giving you that look and you just laughing back at me. It was kind of an, uh, an assumed thing. Like, you know, we're going to come back and win this game. And it was like, yeah, without a doubt. And we, we, we could, we could give that to each other without even speaking words. And that was the first time in my career I had been around something like that, that special where we got to about mid-season and we were winning every night. And it was like, we don't want to mess this up. Just enjoy this ride. And uh, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. I want to talk about, and, and me and you have gone over this before. A uh, couple of stories, a couple of my favorite David Bell things. My, my favorite by far. And I think you know where I'm going with this. Uh, to people out there listening on the Boone podcast, the, the Seattle Mariners clubhouse, <clears throat> uh, pretty spacious. My locker's in the corner and uh, David's is right across. So we look, you know, if we're sitting in our seats, we're looking right at each other. But every night, you know, during that season, 
uh, we do our thing after the game, you know, whatever we've got to do, go to the training room, do the media, uh, you know, eat dinner, whatever it may be. But it seemed like every night I, I was kind of a late, you know, I got out of there late. David usually got out of there before me. But without a doubt, every night I would be sitting in my chair. There's Bell collecting his last minute things, getting to the keys to his car. And he would shut off his light, <laughs> turn to me, go, see you tomorrow, Boone, <laughs> and walk out. And you know, I started, you know I started looking forward to that. <laughs> did you enjoy that type of stuff as much as I did? Oh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, and that's I, not even my best story. <laughs> I mean, I loved that, you know, you, I know you thought I was weird for sure. You know, turning the light off and any other. Little but then you played to it, though. Do. What's that? But then you played on the fact that Boone thinks I'm weird. <laughs> oh, so I was thinking about that. It was like, I really feel like I, it seemed like I, you were my older brother. You treated me like a like your little brother, and not so. So looking back, I mean, obviously you cared about me, but you said things to me and you treated me like a little brother. And on the other side of that, I I felt like I could kind of, you know, I never had an older brother. So it was like my opportunity to, I felt like I could get under your skin a little bit or like irritate you. So sometimes I would like just do things to really, because I knew you would see anything and everything that I ever did in that clubhouse. You always were watching. So. <laughs> it was fun. It really was because it was like a, the older brother I, I never had, but um, I do. It was, you know, I, I mean, it, it, that's just one memory. But you know, I, you know, personally, real quick, like I, I didn't have, you know, there were. I was just trying to survive in the big leagues a lot of the time. You know, I, I mean, I was a below average player that had an opportunity to play on a lot of good teams, great teams with a lot of great teammates. And you know, a lot of times it wasn't as enjoyable for me as it should have been, you know, just trying to survive and felt like it took everything you had, but there were those times and, and it happened a lot on that team where, um, you know, you had so many moments with people that, I mean, you were really close with you being one of them and, and you just took, were able to take the pressure off you know, and have a laugh or, um, you know, have a conversation and, and you kept it fun. You know, you mentioned that being on the field, looking at me, there weren't too many times on a field where I, I smiled or <laughs> unfortunately, you know, and, and really kind of just enjoyed the moment. And you helped me do that. You really did. And, and, and there were other guys from the team that did as well. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that. And, you know, hopefully it rubbed off on me to where, you know, I can, I can help players, you know, that I'm around today as a manager to, to remind them how important it is to really enjoy it because it doesn't last very long. And, uh, you know, you got to make the most of it and you don't want to r- regret it, you know? So thank you. Even though I know you were, you were joking, but I, I really do appreciate, um, uh, our time spent together. Well, and I think I think you're being a little hard on yourself, saying you were a below average player. By the way, the people listening here, here's one of the best, and and I think underappreciated uh, defenders at third base I've ever seen, and that was David Bell, and he had a few years he hit 20 home runs, but the defense was, and I I didn't think you got your due 
as your career went on. And, you know, everywhere I went after playing with you, I, I would say, and you should have seen David, David Bell, uh, can play some third base as good as everyone. I, I mean, as good as anyone I've ever seen. And I, and I never thought you got your due. But moving on to to that brings me. We're talking about uh, you and your defense, <clears throat> and how much pride you took in your defense, which surprises me. In the next story, I have this is two thousand one. Uh, batting practice is over with, and uh, you know, as every, every every player out there knows, your game glove is really important. Your gamer. You don't have your game or you, you, you panic a little bit. At least I did. So I'm signing autographs above the dugout in, in, uh, in Seattle. And kids are throwing, you know, balls down and, and notebooks and baseball cards. And I'm just kind of in that zone. I've got something to do. I got to get out of there. And I'm just throwing stuff. I'm signing things and just throwing them to the kids that are, you know, kids are throwing me their, their little league gloves and I'm signing them and throwing back. So I finish and I, you know, like, like we do a lot of the time and I go up to my locker and I'm getting ready for the game. It's about 20 minutes before the game where I start moseying down to, to prepare and I can't find my glove. And I think, well, never had this before. My gamer's missing. You know, I'm thinking who, who would have stole my glove. Nobody's around. There's a ton of security. So I got to go with the backup glove and it's really not broken in yet. But I'm, I'm really starting to panic, and I, I go to Tim Hevley, and I, he's our media, media guy for the Seattle Mariners, still there. And I said, Tim, I, I cannot find my gamer. Could you, could you make sure all the, the radio station guys and the TV, they put a kind of an APB out there. for If, if anybody has Brett's glove, I, I'd be happy to sign bat or a jersey or whatever they need. Just please return my glove. So I played that, that game without it. I played with my backup. I, I think we did okay. I don't. I don't think there were any <laughs> miscues. But next morning, I come back to the ballpark, and Tim Hevley comes over. He says, "Booney, we got some great news. Found your glove." All right, this guy. What's he want? Oh, he wants a ball, and you know we're going to get him seats to the game tonight. If you could sign a bat, I said whatever he needs. Just I need my glove back. Well, I get this glove back. It's got David Bell's signature on it. And I, I remember looking at you and going, what are you doing? All right. I- explain it from there. How did that I happen? You. I told you. I, I was like, I was like a, your, your little brother. That's just like a perfect thing. Like a little, I, that is so great to, re, to think about the fact that the rest of the 2001 season you played with a glove with my autograph on it that is about that is amazing uh i don't know i i honestly i don't i i think probably what happened was a, a kid got it right and then i was probably i think i was probably leaving the ballpark and somebody put the glove in front of me <laughs> and i saw that it was yours and i signed it no <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's unbelievable. That, that's a great story. That's classic because it's, it, it's just the fact that you played the rest of that like historic season looking at my name on your glove. That just makes my day. That is great. <laughs> and I still got it. That's one of my prized possessions. <laughs> every, t- every time I see it, it just it 
it makes me think of you turning your light off before you're leaving the <laughs> locker room. <laughs> you know, my kids are like, well, that dad, that's not your signature. Well, that's Bells. It's a long story. <laughs> it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> All right, so you move on from Seattle. Uh, you go from that 116 team. Next next season, you're in the World Series. And uh, yep. <clears throat> where you almost ran over uh, Dusty's kid. <laughs> that was the year, wasn't it? The next year? Oh, it was. It was. Yeah. <laughs> tell me about, tell me about that. Tell me about that a little bit. That's kind of another famous piece of yeah. history that you're involved in yeah yeah um no i'm glad you brought up i think i mean at this point you know we had uh, i was starting to almost take for granted that you you know you get the chance to go to the playoffs or you know chance to go to the world series every year i just kind of re- was very fortunate to go from our team in seattle um uh, i wanted to stay there no, no question. But um, as it turned out, I, I had a chance to go to another good team, and um, you know, we got on a really great run, and then came within a few outs of the World Series uh, of winning the World Series. Um, but you're right. So I think what everyone remembers is um, Darren Baker, who I, I believe he was. He, he, I think he was only three years old at the time, and he was bat boying. Um, Dusty had created just this great environment like we were talking about earlier for all their all the dads to you know have their kids around with them i remember before world series games there were full-on football games going on in the in the clubhouse with, with all the kids i mean it was a it was just part of the culture uh, that we all enjoyed um but yes uh darren ran out um i was scoring from second base and i was running with my head down i actually never saw darren come out uh, to, to pick up the bat. Um, JT Snow was the runner ahead of me. And fortunately, yeah, I think his, his, he had a, a son at the time, his instincts took over and just got Darren out of the way just in the nick of time. I mean, that would have been, it would have been awful, obviously, if I would have ran into him. Um, and, and as it turned out, there was no harm. And, and uh, it's, a, it's a funny story now. Um, and now Darren's a, a ball player himself. Just uh, thinking back to how little he was running out onto the field, just just incredible. So um, yeah, we, we you know it turned out it wasn't anything bad, but um, you see that video played a lot, and it brings back great, really great memories of of that team. You know, and again, it was like different. You know, very successful team, but totally different personality, completely di- different makeup from our our Seattle team. You know, it was very, um, we had a bunch of really, you know, talented players again. Guys were really tough, um, really good ball players, played really hard, super competitive. Um, but guys were a little bit more on their own. It was just a bunch of professionals that uh, probably didn't get along, um, you know, and have maybe as close of friendships. Of course, I was only there a year, so it's probably unfair for me to say that. Um, but every, every, you know, everyone absolutely respected each other um, on and off the field. Um, so, you know, that was just a different way to get the, you know, to get to where we were trying to get, and that was to win the World Series, even though we came up a little bit short. 
right. I, uh, we talked about this earlier, obviously went to the same high school as you talk about junior. Uh, I played with junior and best player I've ever played with. I saw best player I've ever seen. Barry Bonds. You played with both of them. Who's better? Oh, man. Oof. That's putting you in a pickle. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough question, and, but I'll answer. I, and, and going into it, I mean, I, 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 I mean, no disrespect to either one of them. However, this comes out because, like you said, they're both um, incredible. I mean, clear, like, Hall of Fame, like, a couple of the best players of all time that have ever played this game. And um, I mentioned earlier, like, watching Junior in high school was just an incredible sight. Seeing someone this talented on a, on a high school field, I truly – and I only saw him play a couple of times. We were never on the same team. He was a senior when I was a freshman. But um, – it was like, I, I, it almost seemed like he was as good then as he was in the major leagues. I mean, he, and, and I think what that speaks to is just the natural talent, the natural ability um, that, that Junior had was um, just such a gift, you know, and, and, um, and that's what made him so enjoyable to watch. You know, he, he did play with um, joy, but it was so natural. You know, and just watching him play the outfield and watching him hit, it was just like watching this this, this gift, um, you know, right in front of your eyes that, uh, you know, really was, uh, really stood out. And, I, you know, I can't imagine a more talented player. It's hard to imagine a better player. Um, and, of course, we only, you know, really can speak to the guys that we played with um, during our era. So, Junior, absolutely at the top of the list. Barry, on the, not on the other hand, but just to compare the two, um, obviously, you know, talented as well, for sure. Um, both of them grew up in, in baseball families as well, and, and it was just, uh, you know, baseball was just at the core of who they were. Um, Barry, you know, I don't know how to compare their talent, but the best way I can describe it is at least when I – played with Barry, I, I cannot imagine a better baseball player uh, that, that has ever played the game. At least at least the year that I played with him and a couple of years surrounding that where I played against him a lot, I, I just can't imagine there was a better baseball player that ever has played. I'm sure maybe there is, but I can't speak to that. I never saw one. Um, it was just absolutely incredible. Um, what he did on the baseball field, what he did to help a team win. I mean, it seemed like he was on base every single time he came out to the plate. And and he was in such a a zone. He was so locked in uh, for such a long, extended period of time. I've never I've never been around that before where um, he was able to perform and, and stay, you know, see somebody that locked in um, for an entire season, it, it was absolutely incredible. And um, it was just uh, to be a part of that and watch him on a nightly basis was um, something I've never experienced. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember playing against Barry, and and just <laughs> never feeling so less than being around him. And it didn't matter, you know, the the quality of gear that that I was having individually. I'd look at him, and I'd be like, he's just he's playing on such a higher level than the rest of us. It was almost like we're all big leaguers, and he's playing slow pitch softball on the weekend. I mean, that's what it looked you know, from a defensive side, watching him hit, like he just had that ability to slow the game down. Like, uh, no one I've ever, no one I've ever seen before. And, and you're right. We can only, uh, speak to what our eyes have seen, you know, in our 20 years of of kind of our generation. But, uh, yeah, both pretty good, but, but I've never seen anything like, like, uh, Barry Bonds. You, All right. You so mentioned before, slow, uh, I was just going to say you mentioned slowing it down. Like we always talk about that, right? As players or athletes, slow the game down. That's exact. It looked like he was playing in slow motion. I mean, it was just everything was so slow to him, and uh, he just he just dreamed of being able to to hit like that, right? But he he actually did it. So. Uh, well, the kid, the kids today, you know, the kids today and my son, you know, I'll pick my son as an example. He'll ask me about, you know, how great was Bonds. And I just laugh. I said, I said, here's a guy that you couldn't get him to check his swing. That's how good he was. You couldn't <laughs> fool him on a pitch. And it's like, you know, you look at his numbers and they're just ridiculous. One year he was on base. His on base percentage was in the sixes. I mean, you're considered Hall of Fame star of all stars if you're if your on base percentage is over 400. He was over 600. I mean, this was this was just a man amongst boys. And with all the great players of our generation, when Barry was in that zone, it's like the, the second best player in the game. I've never seen a bigger, bigger discrepancy. But anyway, that's that. That's just my you know my take on it. But but uh, mm-hmm. unbelievable. All right, so we'll go fast forward a little bit. We got um, you retire after the 06 season. Um, when did you decide that you wanted to stay in the game and, and pursue you know coaching and and the other side of the ledger, coaching or managing? Yeah, um, that's that's a. That's- I appreciate that question. It was a process because I really at the end of my career, unfortunately, I, I was a bit burnt out. You know, I, I, it's hard to admit that because what we, we got to do was play a game and, um, you know, you, you make a living doing something you love. Um, but as I kind of touched on earlier, it took a toll just because it was, it was difficult and it did take everything you had. And, you know, there were, parts of the game that I probably didn't handle well. I mean, there, there was anxiety. I mean, at times you feel like you didn't really have much of a life. And, and uh, I, I, don't, I, not, I wasn't real proud of how I handled all of those situations. Um, and, it, and it did take a toll. And by the end, um, you know, I had so many great experiences and I was relatively healthy, although injuries kind of took a little bit of a toll. Um, but really I was mentally burn out. Um, so for, so yeah, I was only 34 at the time. And, um, you know, you, <laughs> you, you have one thing you want to do your whole life. Um, and all of a sudden you wake up, you're 34 years old and you, you have no idea, uh, what, 
to do next, but you really have like the rest of your life uh, to think about. So it was, it was interesting um, for two years. Um, I kind of just tried to get myself healthy and explored, you know, different, uh, you know, different possibilities of maybe what I would want to do for work or, you know, interests or hobbies that I had never, you know, had time for or cared about. Um, and that was a really important um, process to go through. Um, but what I, what I kind of, by the end of that two year period, what I realized was, you know, you can kind of do anything for the rest of your life. I, I knew I wanted to do something. Why wouldn't I just do something that I'm, you know, I'm probably an expert in or have some expertise in? Um, because what I wanted to do was, um, I wanted to do something that, that I could help you know, other people or help other players. I felt like at times I was so selfish during my own career. I, I really felt like now was the time to, to kind of contribute to other people's um, careers or lives. And I, and I realized, why wouldn't I just do that in baseball? You know, I mean, it's something I know about. Um, I've had great experiences. Like we talked about being around great teams, great players. Maybe I have something to offer. Um, and right around that time, uh, I got a call from Billy Doran, uh, who's with the Reds, who still is with the Reds. And he said their double-A managing position was open. And I had about a day or two to think about it. But could I get back to him and let him know? And, and uh, I, I said, this is it. You know, this is the, the opportunity. I don't know where it's going to go. But to get a chance to manage um, at a really good level, double-A, um, you know, in an organization that, you know, was home, uh, was just too good of an opportunity uh, to pass up. And, and I had given it enough thought to know, I didn't know if I was going to coach or work in the game when I was done playing, but I did know if I, if I, if that did happen, what I would be most interested in was managing. And I, and I think that came from, you know, having an opportunity to play for really great, successful managers, um, many of them during my career. And, kind of studying what they did, learning, you know, de definitely trying to take things from them and what made them successful, but also learning maybe what I would want to do different. Um, and, and, and so I knew that managing was something I was interested in and um, I got that opportunity with the Reds. Yeah. So once again, I had to study up on you a little bit just to get it officially correct. We go mm -hmm. 08 to 10. You, you you got your double A managing opportunity. 2011, you go to triple A Louisville. 2012, you're the th third base coach for the Cubs. 13, you go to the Cardinals as a hitting instructor. In 2015, you, you become the bench coach. In 17, you go to the Giants as an executive. And in 2018, after the 18 season, you be, uh, you're named the the Cincinnati Red Skipper. Um, what haven't you done, David Bell? You weren't the. You did have? Did you get a mix in a traveling secretary job in there? You've done everything in this game. But it's funny, but, but I, pretty awesome you know, resume. I, I appreciate that. I mean, it, looking back, you know, I, I'm I'm so grateful for those experiences like i you know I, 2009 i probably thought oh yeah i could i could manage in the big leagues right now you know i could figure it out i am so glad that that didn't 
happen. And I, and I don't know if you're ever really ready, you know, but like looking back, um, it was the variety of experiences that, that I had, um, that I'm, I'm most grateful for. You know, you mentioned the, you know, I was three, three years in double A. I talked about that being a great level. Um, and one of the keys real quick, I, I, I need to mention like, you know, my family was on board. We, we moved and kind of just kind of went with it and, um, took, took the kids with us and made it kind of an adventure during those years of, of, uh, managing the Meyer leagues. And that made it possible because it's not an easy lifestyle, but when you have your family with you, um, it makes it work. Um, so those three years in double a, you know, uh, you know, it was just a great experience. Um, a lot of long bus rides, Zebulon, North Carolina, um, and got an opportunity to manage in triple a, like you said, jumped at the opportunity to go to the Cubs, um, coach third base and, learn a ton about infield positioning kind of in the modern game um, was let go at the end of that year, um, which I think we all have to experience as well. Um, but learned a lot in my one year with the Cubs. Um, just a great experience for four years with the Cardinals, a great organization that I had spent time with as a player. I got to be around Mike Matheny, who um, is a close friend that, um, you know, I, I learned a ton from, um, even mixed in a year of, of being a hitting coach, which I didn't love. Um, I knew that wasn't my long-term passion, but to be around the cage and know what our hitting coaches and kind of the, the mindset of being around hitters, um, for so many hours each day, you know, that grind, I think was really valuable. Um, could have stayed with the Cardinals kind of took a shot got an opportunity um, to go back to the Giants organization um, to be uh, basically the farm director. Um, that, out of all my experiences, I really believe that was, um, you know, and it, it's weird because it wasn't on the field. It might be my favorite job uh, that I've had in the game. And the, the reason is, number one, it was the Giants who uh, – you know, it's just a, a really good organization, a lot of great people. But that job, farm director, is um, you have you, you have the opportunity to touch so many people, staff, front office, hundreds of players, um, and and I learned the importance of uh, a lot. But you know, kind of how important it was to you know you can't you can't talk to every single person every single day in that job, but you can attempt to create a culture, um, you know, a healthy culture that, uh, um, creates an environment that people love to work in. And, um, you know, I don't know if I was able to do that, but I had an opportunity to try my hand at it. And without that experience, I, I definitely wouldn't have been, um, even close to as prepared, uh, to manage the Reds. And, you know, this last opportunity I've had truly a dream come true. You know, to, to be able to do this job, um, managing the major leagues in a city that I grew up in, uh, an organization that means so much to, to family and um, to live, you know, live here in the city. And, and it's just been been a real dream come true. And, and uh, you know, I think it's an opportunity to put, 
you know, all the experiences I've had and great people I've learned from and, you know, really try to bring that all together um, and, and create, uh, you know, it's a great challenge, but uh, to try to um, put it all together to win, win a championship. I mean, that's what it's all about. So um, really enjoying it, really enjoying the, the relationships with, you know, everybody here, the coaches, the players, of course, um, front office. Uh, it's been, been a great experience. What's been the biggest surprise for you in the last two years, big league managing? Um, or maybe the challenge, bigger challenge yeah. than you thought it was going to be. I'll tell you what, what, um, what going, uh, I'll tell you, this isn't the biggest challenge, but I think maybe one of the biggest surprises um, I've actually enjoyed, um, you know, as you know, I'm probably not uh, the biggest talker, you know, definitely not the best one. Um, but I, I've actually enjoyed the relationships with, um, the, the media in Cincinnati. Um, they've been, you know, really fair and, and, and good to me. And I've, I've really enjoyed the process every day of, um, speaking speaking with the media so going into it i did that was the one part that i hadn't done a lot of um and and maybe it's just my experience and uh, of being in cincinnati and um, getting lucky that you know there's good people um you know the writers and uh, and all that so maybe it would it's not always like that but i've actually enjoyed that um but it still comes down to um the most enjoyable part the best part um, is, you know, relating or trying to relate or trying to help support the players. I mean, that that's the best, you know, when you can have those one-on-one conversations with the players and, and um, have an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to support them in a way where they know that, that you care about them and you're, you have their back and you're in their corner. That That's really what it's all about. So, um, That'll one day that'll be the that'll be what I miss um, when I'm not doing this. Would be found tougher running the game or managing personalities in that clubhouse. The games are fun. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're there's you're faced with a bunch of decisions, and you know, you, it's like playing, right? Like you you prepare for <clears throat> you prepare for the game, and then you try to be in the moment and you react with what you hope is the best decision. And as long as you're you feel like you've put your time in and you've considered um, all the factors. You can kind of live with whatever decision you make um, because there's not always a right one. You know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Every now and then, if you feel like you, you missed something or you didn't prepare, that's a bad feeling, just like it is as a player. But um, the, I think the part that I love is also the biggest challenge. And that's, um, you know, because there are a lot of people you're, you know, you're leading in this position and um, trying to have those individual relationships and and, um, giving, you know, making time for that. It's the most important thing, but it's not always the easiest. And, uh, you know, when that's important to you to do the right way, um, it can be exhausting. You know, because you're, you want to be there for everyone. You want to be a great listener. Uh, you want to serve each person in that clubhouse um, to the best of your ability. So, 
that can wear that can wear you out. It's exhausting, but it's also energizing. You know, you that you know, if I ever need a boost, I go find a player and and um, you know, see if I can be there for them and have a conversation. I always come out of it um, energized. In, you know, these days, some of my favorite times is uh, I'd look for Aaron Boone and David Bell to see if anybody got kicked out of the game today. Because I'll tell you what, you, you guys have that in common. You guys can some kind of get kicked out of a game. <laughs> and and the people that watch, they're like, well, we didn't know, you know, David's the kind of the quiet type. And I said, oh, yeah, but that's one of the most intense guys I've ever been around. And and I know it's your passion, but you guys you guys have a you know you have a, a knack <laughs> you have a knack. What's it take to get thrown out, David? I know what it's like as a player. I know what I need to do to cross that line. But what do you got to do as a skipper? Man, you know it's looking back, and I, I don't. I, I'm, I'm sure you've talked to Aaron about this. I don't know what his response will be, but I always feel terrible after on it, to be honest. Like I, you know, you know, you say things and you, you know, you kind of regret, um, what happens. Um, but on the other hand, and, and because, you know, I have respect for these umpires. I mean, I, I have relationships with them. Um, you know, I know a lot of them and have for, for many years and you just never want to get in somebody's face or say things that you don't mean. And, and, and that truly does, feel bad if that ever um, crosses the line um, on the other side of it. Um, I do know why it happens, you know, and, and, and I'm not justifying it or making an excuse. It's just a fact that um, like it does as a player, um, this game takes everything you have and, and you care so much about it. And you're, you know, you're, you know, you're watching your team play and these players you care so much about, you, 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 you're like in it with them. Right. So when you feel like something happens to them, um, that, that isn't fair or, you know, uh, you, you feel like, like sometimes it just happens, you know, and you react and, um, your instincts take over. Um, and you know, it's something I honestly, I've had to, to be really more aware of. I don't ever want to lose that. If I ever lose that, I need to get out of the game. But at the same time, I need to channel it uh, in a way that's productive and, and positive for everyone involved. Um, you know, a lot of the my ejections actually were surrounding the beanball, you know, and I, I think that clearly, you know, no matter what your your view on it is, like that was definitely instinctual. I, I felt like, hey, you know, somebody's trying to hurt uh one of our players and it's like family. Right. So I didn't really even think a lot of that was just reaction. And, um, so I'm, I'm not ashamed of that, but I also knowing that I have that tendency to, to react and have instincts take over. I do need to be aware of that, um, you know, and make sure it never crosses the line and, um, you know, it is always respectful. Uh, last year, the 60 game season, um, you know, I thought it went uh, for, for everything, uh, considering every, all the, all the elements that were at play. I, I thought you guys did a really good job. I thought major league baseball put about as good a product as they could on the field. I thought it was an exciting playoff. You had one of the most electrifying guys in that clubhouse, uh, kind of a, you know, we had him here on the podcast, uh, 
you know, people have two ways they go with with Bauer. He he ended up winning the Cy Young, having an unbelievable season. I really enjoyed my talks with him. Uh, I thought it was a completely different side of the game, uh, coming from a, a different side than I've ever heard before. But nevertheless, very smart, very interesting. Uh, recently, he, he's decided to sign with the L.A. Dodgers. How tough uh, was that for you? I mean, the, the obvious is, you know, your number one starter, you're not going to have him. But uh, what is the overall feeling uh, of, of that? You kind of knew it was happening. The writing was on the wall. Um, just speak to it a little bit on, on, on your initial reaction to the Trevor Bauer, L.A. Dodgers. Um, I, I can't help but my first reaction uh, to that to be happiness for, for Trevor. You know, I, being in this game like you and I have been, it's like you don't have too many times as a player where um, you're truly able to uh, control your destiny a little bit and, you know, to, to have an opportunity to sign a life-changing contract for a player that deserves it as much as anyone I've ever been around. The way this guy prepares, the way this guy competes, um, what he's gone through in his career to put himself in this position, I couldn't be happier for him. Um, No doubt um, uh, I, I will miss him. Uh, tremendously, the organization will, and our our team will, um, and I and I wish you know that that would happen with the Reds. But um, I'm just so happy for for Trevor, you know. And I'm, I'm I learned a, a ton from Tre- Trevor in, in you know a little over a year that we were together. Um, he, um, I, I have so much respect for how he went about it. I mentioned his work and the way he competes, um, but he's intelligent. Um, he, he is open-minded. Um, he's respectful. He's a good teammate. He cared, um, more than anything, more than his own success. He wanted to win. And I don't know if everyone understands that about Trevor. We certainly do from being around him. Um, but, uh, he made, he made our, culture and our environment a better place um, while he was with us and like I said I I learned a lot from him um, one thing about Trevor that really stood out um, seems like he has a lot to say right you know he's, he's you know clearly educated and intelligent on so many things he was one of the best listeners I've been around I, I enjoyed the conversations we had because um, not only did I learn from what he was saying, but um, he was a great listener. He listened intently to what other people were saying. And I think that's, I think that's a big part of how he's continued to improve and learn um, throughout the course of his career. Well, David Bell, thank you very much. Uh, this was a fun, this was a fun show. Um, I wish you all the best in, uh, 2021 um and and yeah i just want to say that you know people out there listening that 
you've heard why David Bell, one of my one of my favorite teammates all time. I wish you nothing but the but the best going forward. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. And the one thing we do on the Boone podcast at the end is is the voice of the podcast. Dan Levy comes in with a question from the fan. David, question for you is this. What is the best baseball advice you your family ever gave you? That's from Johnny in Boston. Hmm. That's a great question. A few things come to mind. I'm going to pick one. Um, the one that my my dad always said to me that um, it just really resonates um, is he would always say, "Don't look past the ball." when he was talking to me about, uh, about hitting, but I, it really applies to everything. And what it meant to me was, um, you know, we talk about the process, right. And, and, and not getting consumed with thinking about the results that that's what it was to me. It was being present and, uh, focusing on the ball and, and everything else takes care of itself after that. And it, it seemed like anytime you ever said it to me, you know, I would have a good game or something. And uh, I just couldn't couldn't keep it going. He had to remind me all the time. But um, that that has really stayed with me. And I try to share it. All right, David. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Booney. Mailbag. All right, Boone, you know that sound. It is time to dip into the Brett Boone mailbag. You ready to roll? I'm ready to roll. All right, let's do it. All right, this one comes from Matt in Hermosa Beach, California. Brett, could you come back and play again like Gronk? <laughs> no. No chance. Gronk, Gronk's still in his what how old's Gronk? His thirties? I'm fifty. Absolutely not. Uh, I could I could fool you for a couple innings. I, I could I could walk the walk. Uh you put me out there too much right now. I, I, I'd be way overexposed. So, no. And just for uh, just for statistical truth, Gronkowski is thirty-one years old. All right, back to the mailbag we go. This one comes from Ronnie in Phoenix. Brett, I was watching the Phoenix Open this weekend, and have you ever played in a real PGA Pro Am? I've only played in an LPGA program. <laughs> I like it, which is fun though. It, it, it was it was a great time. Um, oh, you know, yeah. I haven't I haven't played any PGAs. How'd you do? How'd you do in the LPGA? Uh, we won. We won. I have the hardware. I have the crystal. Nice. Uh, it's in bubbly wrap out in the garage. Okie dokie. And last one we go. This one is from Gabe in Tampa. Brent, what's the best town? What's the best sports town in America? Oh man, that is tough. Uh, I really love playing on the East Coast, and it really didn't. You know, I love playing in Yankee Stadium. I love going back to Philly. I, of course, I grew up in in the Philly area. Uh, Boston's great, and there's so many back there. Chicago, you know, St. Louis from a baseball perspective. If I had to say the greatest Yankee stadium in a big game, nothing like it. So the greatest sports town is New York is what you're saying. Yes. Okay, Brad. Okay. New York, New York. We get it. We get it. 
<laughs> we it's, get it. There's just something, you know, it's just something about it. It's something about it. All right, that's going to do it for the Brett Boone Mailbag and the Brett Boone Podcast. We want to thank everybody who went ahead and tweeted at the Moon 29 and hit them up on Instagram and on Facebook to get those questions in. Brett, we have a new website, don't we? I believe we do, Dan. The Brett Boone Podcast.com. It's actually, they did a really nice job. Uh, go there. Check it out. You can get all the episodes there. For the former Major League All-Star, Silver Slugger, and Gold Glover, he is Brett Boone. My name is Dan Levy. We'll do this all again soon. Take care, everybody.